Empire. Tech, STEM, sports, and school converge. My dad is an electrical engineer. Uh, my family works in manufacturing, so this has kind of always been like around growing up, you know. And uh, education and racing have always been kind of hand in hand for me. That's IndyCar driver Dalton Kellett, who has a goal of turning the science behind racing into an immersive school experience. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Dalton Kellett picked a really awful year to get into the big IndyCar circuit, but he's there and using the platform not only to advance his competitive career, but help launch a new mission to get STEM students like himself a chance to go under the hood and learn about engineering through sports. Our guest this week is IndyCar driver Dalton Kellett, who drives for AJ Foyt's racing team and these days is also working with a partnership with 1080 and iRacing to promote engineering in schools across the United States through STEM education. Dalton, it's a pleasure having you here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Uh, before we get into the initiatives, um, when we do have a professional athlete on, I do wonder how the year went. This was the most unusual thing that I think everybody's ever gone through. Um, can you take me through IndyCar and what life in 2020 was like for that circuit? Yeah, so I guess I'll start out with kind of a brief overview of our season. So this was my rookie year in IndyCar. Um, so when my deal was working out, I was sharing the 14 uh, car with AJ Fort Racing with the veterans Tony Fanon and Sebastian Bourdais. And the plan was initially that I was doing most of the road courses and then the Indy 500 as a third car and, and, the, and the number 41. But then obviously COVID happened and kind of turned everything on its head and uh, Lost about half the races that I was supposed to do. Uh, you know, a, a, a bulk of our races were canceled at the, at the start of the year. So it, it was a bit of a different year for us. Um, you know, we really missed the fans at Indy. That's you know, our, our marquee event. And there's, you know, it's the, the largest single-day sporting event in, in, in the world. So to be at the Brickyard with no fans on race day was a bit surreal. Um, and, you know, for, for, for the rookies, it was quite tough because we had condensed weekends with Instead of around three hours of practice and a warm up before the race, we had 45 minutes of practice straight in qualifying and then double header races. So it was really tough to get, to get up to speed. But I'm happy with you know the work that we did throughout the year, working on working on 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 the car, getting and getting me used to uh, to the Indy car. So yeah, it was a tough year, but a but a fun one. And and in terms of safety protocols, was that different? Um, how did you all as a team navigate all that through the year? Well, I think IndyCar did a great job in, you know, mitigating the risk. And I think, you know, it's, you know, we, we, we obviously work in a high risk sport and that's something that we're pretty good at is, you know, taking an a, a objective risk that we have to face and coming up with the best solution to work around it. And they, they did a great job coming up with protocols to keep everyone safe. You know, we were very stringent with our masking and social distancing when that was possible. And when, when it wasn't, there were, there were, there were protocols in place like shields and you know masks and all that. So they, they, they did, they, they did a good job there uh, at the, at the couple races, the, the handful of races where fans were allowed. Um, we were largely separated in our own kind of little bubble. 
typically IndyCar has really good fan and driver interaction. That's one of the great things about our sport is that you know, we have really passionate fans and we can get up close and you know sign pictures and um, or sign sign autographs, take 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 pictures, you know, show people around the the garages. But we couldn't do any any of that this year for safety reasons, which was sad. But like I said, that's something that something that we had to work through. I guess um, you didn't envision your rookie year going this way. <laughs> you were picturing doing this and finally no. getting the opportunity. Yeah, it was it was a bit, you know, the, when, when it really hit me was um, going the track the first day uh, for, you know, the month of August, typically the 500s in, in May, but it was postponed to August this year. And walking out on on the pit lane through, through Gasoline Alley on the first practice, seeing the empty stands, which would be a typical scene. Um, in May on a, on on a, on a practice day, you know, you wouldn't see the fan the, the stands full, but knowing that that's what it would then look like on race day, that's kind of when it hit me. I was like, wow, okay, this is a really different year. Yeah, it is really strange. Um, all right, so let's get into your initiative, um, and, and you are working to help promote STEM education around the country. Um, tell me a little bit about the partnership, and then how you got into this mission of trying to help students around the country. For sure, yeah. So we just launched the. 1080 Education International STEM League and the INSL iRacing Innovation Challenge. So basically what it is, is through partnering with iRacing, we're challenging uh, students that already work with 1080 Education's programs uh, to compete in an online sort of e-learning competition where they have to actually not just compete using the iRacing service, but they have to design, build, prototype, program their own their own um, game peripherals, like a like a like a simulator kit, so the, the the steering wheel and the and the pedals, like the ones that you might buy, you know, for your Xbox or if if you happen to play any play any 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 racing simulators. So these kids have to go out, you know, using basic DIY DIY materials and actually make their own wheels and wheels and pedals, and then using an Arduino or a similar micro, microcontroller, turn them in into a into a game controller. So it's a prototyping engineering coding challenge and huh. then the latter half of, of, of the challenge once they get their kits up and running is that we're gonna actually have a race series where the kids are going to be competing you know in in their teams using the parts that they've actually built and then but in in our, in, 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 our, in our own uh, championship using the iRacing software so you know it's really exciting we're very happy to have iRacing on on board they've been a great partner and we've started this program as a pilot uh, with about 50 teams and education works with around 500 schools from around the country on their national STEM league, which is a similar idea, but they're actually designing and building uh, 10th scale RC cars. Um, but obviously this year with most schools being remote extracurricular uh, programs like that aren't, aren't happening. So that's why we kind of pivoted to this e-learning e- 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 concept. Did you have a specific interest in engineering um, when you were younger? I did, yeah. I, I've always you know, been a bit of a gearhead. Uh, the, the first, uh, my, my first racing experience was uh, on a skidoo. I'm, I'm from Toronto, Ontario, so at my family cottage, I had a little 60cc two-stroke Arctic cat, kitty cat. So on a on a skidoo on a, on a on a on a frozen lake at like two and a half years old. So that's kind of huh. you know my my whole life has been vehicles and, and engineering my my dad is an electrical engineer uh, my family works in manufacturing so that's, that's kind of always been like around growing up you know and uh education and racing have always been kind of hand in hand for me 
uh, when I was going through karting, you know, I was, I was in, in, in high school and then in the, in the junior leagues growing up or going up to the road to Indy, I was at, at Queens getting my engineering degree. So that's, you know, those, those two have always been, been kind of linked. And now that I'm not in school, I, I like using the, the platform that I have as a professional athlete to kind of get back and promote those, those career fields. To be a top level driver, do you have to have a good understanding of the cars, the vehicles, and the engineering behind them? I, I would say, by and large, for most drivers, you have to. You know, there's there's occasionally, you know, the, the guys that are a bit more cerebral that get by, you know, that just say to the engineers, I, I you know, won't, I, I want the car to feel like this, and they don't want to worry about it. But I would say, you know, 90% of the guys or, or, or more have a very detailed knowledge of what's going on because you know it's it's so technical and there's so much that that can go on during you know during a race and even just being able to kind of diagnose if there's a problem with with the car if you have a better technical understanding then you're more likely to kind of correctly i i i identify what's going wrong um and then the thing is too when you get to the indy car level you have giving feedback on the car's handling you know you have to you, you you're separating your feedback into you know the how the engine's performing, how the chassis is performing, the dampers, and then race strategy and all that. Because you 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 don't just work with one engineer; you work with three or four. So uh, tell me how the partnership kind of works. So you bring it in there, the kids start working on engineering the cars, their own rigs, and then eventually they race. Is there like a is there kind of a challenge? Is there a, a prize that's kind of awarded for all of this? How do you guys kind of see this thing manifesting itself? Yeah, so basically. It's- it's going in a couple stages. The first stage is, you know, they're going to prototype and build their build their rigs. And actually, even backtracking from that, before we even got this started, uh, I, I was, you know, talking with Beverly and Jeannie, the the team at, and the rest, the rest of the team at, at 1080 and, I, and and INSL, and we actually had to sit down and, you know, figure out, okay, is is this a challenge that we think a, a you know a grade 10 to grade 12 high school student can actually reasonably take on? So I, I'm actually looking at a kind of an alpha prototype version that I made um, just so like we actually went and prototyped our own, our own version of a simulator, you know, wheel and pedals just to make sure that, okay, this is something that we think we can ask a high school student to do. So that was kind of the first step. And then for the students, they have, right now they're, they're, they're signing up and within 10 1080s teams, we've had great interest. We're, we're probably actually going to overshoot our goal of, you know, 50 teams to get to get this started. And, between now and February is basically the first stage where they have to prototype their 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 kits, and then in you know the the second semester of this school year, but the start of 2021, we're going to actually start racing, and we're going to have basically a points-based competition where the students have you know they'll each each team has an account, so they'll have drivers you know set to drive, but then they'll also have like a, a race strategist and and all that, um, and then you know we'll we'll, we'll run a competition during the second half of the school year and the winning teams will get prizes. You know, we've got some exciting stuff that we haven't announced yet, but that, that, that's going to be you know, cool to see that kind of come together. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so uh, did you have a deep interest in STEM? Were you, was that part of your education growing up? How did you get kind of linked up with this? So the, you know, STEM and my interest in racing are definitely hand in hand, you know, even as a kid go-karting. You know, you're you're working on you're working on your own cart, you know, working on the on the on the setups. You're basically kind of running on an, an experiment. So it's it's definitely a very STEM related sport. Um, 
and then just my my interest in academics has always been you know math science engineering so those are three of the stem fields um and that's you know that's really been kind of how 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 it got started um and then just you know where i am now as an athlete i just think it's you know it's we all have we all have a cause that you know we believe in and for me it's trying to in, inspire kids to go and go in 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 into these careers and into these education paths. I think it's a very, you know, the engineering mindset and, and problem solving data literacy is very relevant to the kind of high tech world that, that, that we live in right now. You know, it's really funny. Like I'm, I'm listening to you talk and I had, um, uh, years back, I got invited down to Charlotte and went into a NASCAR immersion program and got to ride around their track in a NASCAR. And of course, yeah. for like a total layman, you know, like myself, it's like exhilarating, you know, you've never done anything like that before. Um, I wonder if this for you being how much math and engineering goes into it, which you like, is the driving still fun? Like in the end, is it, is it still like this fun experience <laughs> when you're in the car? Cause you're, you're so nuts and bolts and in the weeds with it. it. It looks like it should be fun. It totally is. You know, it, the experience of driving an Indy car is it's like nothing else. I mean, going in, in the turn one of the Indy at over 230 miles an hour and turning it in flat out. Like it's, it's, it's a rush every time. Um, and, you know, I'm sure as, as time goes on, that initial thrill might, might kind of, lane a bit but the you know the the fact that i get to actually go out and be a race car driver for my for my job isn't definitely isn't lost on me and it's uh, <laughs> something that i'm very grateful for yeah and uh, hopefully 2021 will be better than 2020 i mean you get to do your rookie year over again because this what a mess for everybody this was what a, what a crazy year it really was it was it, 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 it will be great to see you know fans at the racetrack provided you know we're we're through COVID and, and things have calmed down a bit because we, we definitely missed everyone this year. Dalton Kellett drives for AJ Foyt's racing team and his new international STEM league is coming to schools around the country. Thank you so much for joining us, Dalton. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. On the next Future Sport Podcast, the left turn from providing content to becoming the book. We have a pretty large footprint. Um, and so if we don't continuously ensure that that audience is satiated and excited by our offering, then there's almost no point in giving them the bet because if we if we atrophy on media, then we lose our whole differentiator on betting. That's Aubrey Levy, the Vice President of Content and Marketing at The Score. As gambling legalizes in the United States, the territory grab continues. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by Three Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI powered and UX focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.